Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Welcome to yet another episode of The Art of Social Media. Today, I'm very excited to have Heidi Medina with us. Heidi is a lot of things in business. She has quite a lot of experience. Heidi, is it the 25 years of experience as a business owner and business coach? And then 10 years of experience creating and implementing super awesome content for Fortune 500 companies, primarily focusing on social media management and marketing. Heidi, we're going to learn all your secrets today. That's the reason I'm so excited to be on the call. Heidi, you also coach a lot of business owners in increasing visibility on social media, uh, particularly organically. And your motto is don't work hard, work smart. So I like that. I'm going to kind of talk about that to my wife as well. She makes me work a lot of hard. <laughs> and yeah, you have a very great no BS client attraction recipe. So I'm, I want to kind of learn more about that as well. So thanks again for joining us and welcome on the call. Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed the invite. It was an honor. <laughs> Wonderful. So Haiti, one of the things I want to know is What's your origin story? How did you kind of become a coach in marketing, social media marketing and organic marketing? Tell us a bit about how you kind of learned and kind of you got here. Honestly, it kind of fell in my lap. It was one of the, it's kind of funny. I always said I'd never be a coach. And here I am. Don't ever say never, apparently. (laughs) So it kind of fell in my lap. I've been mentoring people who wanted to build a business for over 20 some years. And so that's always been a lot of fun for me. And I've always done that. It was free. It was never anything I thought about charging for. And then I jumped onto LinkedIn in 2018 and really started loving the platform and took off. And about a year later, I started realizing I was spending two to three hours a day helping people, telling them how I was achieving success on the platform. And it just made sense at that point to start charging for it. So the next thing I know, I'm helping, I'm doing a LinkedIn challenge. I built a LinkedIn course. I was helping coach people on LinkedIn to build in their businesses. And then it's slowly because of framework and the marketing I do, it can be done on any platform. So it evolved into just working with helping people build personalized marketing strategies from there. So (laughs) is it satisfying to see people succeed? It is. I absolutely love it. It's their faces when they get it and have the wins. It's amazing. It's just such an amazing feeling to help them celebrate and help people realize their dreams and that they can do something that, you know, a lot of times in the back of their mind, when people get online, they know they can do it. They see people doing it, but it's still the same time in the back of their mind. There's a little bit of, it's not going to work. So I get to help them make it work. And yeah, it's satisfying. (laughs) That's great to know. You started on LinkedIn in 2018. You already have more than 10,000 followers. And that's pretty great in such a short time. What's your secret? Well, I could have had more, but I got rid of a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) So when I started out, I actually did a course with a LinkedIn coach. I think it was early 2019. And I had went with the advice of, accept any connection request that comes in. Doesn't matter who it is, take it because the numbers are more important. And about six months after doing that, I had a toxic audience that wasn't achieving my goals. I mean, I was getting a lot of harassment, just a lot of bullying, trolling. I mean, it got toxic. 
And it wasn't achieving my goals of selling my own business offers and things like that, connecting with people and building community. So I backed off. I took three months to assess, decide what I wanted to do. And I dumped over a thousand connections right off the bat. And then I started over and I built deliberately and slow and very focused. And so I've only got about 10,000 followers in four years, whereas some people are doing that in three to six months, but I have an amazing network. I mean, I can put out a call for help for other people, for myself, whatever. I can get support for them. I get clients from it. I have amazing peers that I love and enjoy. And I've even got real world friends now out in person. So all from LinkedIn. It's been an incredible ride. (laughs) That's amazing. I like the fact that your efforts were deliberate, slow and focused. And not only that, you have a lot of followers, but those are real followers and people that you kind of engage with. That's wonderful, right? How do I find such followers for myself? What do I need to do to get that? Do I put in content? Do I just kind of like other people's content? Uh, What's the recipe? You've got to start with a plan. You first need to know what goal you want to achieve first. And whatever your purpose is, is that's where you start building the strategy for connecting with the right people. And then you decide who the right people are. If you're building a business, your ideal clients. But you also want to connect with like peers who are going to be supportive because building a business can be lonely. So you want to have people who understand and get it with you beside you. And you can also, you know, connect with people you like to talk to or like to hear from that inspire you, light you up, fire you up, keep you motivated. But then don't connect with anybody else because you want to keep it very focused, very deliberate, because if not, the algorithms are going to continue showing you anybody and everybody, plus show you to anybody and everybody. So at the end of the day, it comes down to knowing what it is you want to achieve, who you want to connect with, and staying focused and deliberate on that. So there's some work that needs to be done before just start going LinkedIn and kind of start connecting people. Like, for example, one of the things you mentioned was, who are your ideal customers? So let's say if I find a set of ideal customers or if I know what my ideal customers are, what are the next steps? Should I directly connect with them? Should I post some content for them? What works? You want to start creating content that attracts them, that speaks directly to them because you want your content is the start of the conversation. If you do it right and you include call to actions, CTAs, then you're inviting them into the conversation with you. You invite them to connect and talk and build the relationships. And then you're also reaching out to actually either comment on their content or actually sending connection requests yourself. Anything to get that conversation going so you can build that relationship. And as long as you're doing it deliberately and with the right people, then even the algorithms will start helping you by showing you more of the right people in your feed so that it makes it easier to connect with those people and find them. And that's true for your ideal customer base. That goes with the peers as well, like commenting on their content, publishing content for them, reaching out. Yeah, definitely. It does. And, you know, there's a... (laughs) There's another reason to also connect with your peers that may be doing similar things. A lot of people get afraid and clenched up, well, there's not enough work for everybody, but there is. And that's why connecting with supportive peers is a good thing because you can form collaborations that can help improve your visibility. But you also, when you're doing that and you're over commenting and stuff on their content, A, you're adding value to them. You're not over there promoting your services. You're over there actually adding value. You're adding the conversation which means you get to borrow their networks as well because some of your clients are hanging out over there and their stuff too. And that's how they help find you as well. 
So that's another reason it's really important to also connect with your peers. I mean, it's not about being sleazy with it. It's, you know, and just over there trying to sell yourself. It's actually about building real relationships that benefit both of you. And because you're adding value, your peers are going to show up and comment on your stuff, adding value to you. And they're probably going to find some of their ideal clients with you as well. It's symbiotic when you do do it right. And LinkedIn works well that way. Right. One of the trends that I'm seeing on LinkedIn, and I'm not too sure if you observe the same, but tons of people are starting to post their personal content on LinkedIn as if it were Facebook, right? And then the lines between LinkedIn and Facebook are kind of slightly getting over. What's happening? See, I know everybody likes to think the lines between Facebook and LinkedIn are blurring, but I don't agree with that. I think what you're seeing, and it's mainly you've seen it more in the last two years because the pandemic, it forced a lot of people online that weren't online before. But you're seeing a shift in the people that are on LinkedIn. Two to three years ago, LinkedIn was a male-dominated platform. There weren't as many women there. And the women that were there played by the rules. They played by the rules that the majority of men set. But in reality, women market slightly different. We're more visual. We include more selfies. We include a little more personal content, things like that. And that's what you're seeing. You're just seeing that difference in that type of marketing. But you're also seeing people bring their personal branding on there. Personal branding includes more personal content. So you're seeing a couple of different trends come into play that weren't on LinkedIn so much a few years ago. So as a result, you're seeing a lot more personal content than you did. And I'm okay with it. As long as it fits somebody's brand or their business and it works for them, then that's their choice. It's not mine. I'm not here to tell someone else how they should or shouldn't run their business or build their personal brand. And I think we see a lot of that on LinkedIn where people think they do because they don't want it to change. But the change we're having is, it's a good change in my opinion. Interesting. Absolutely. So yeah, people... Uh, posting whatever works for them, perfectly fine, right? Who are we as gatekeepers? That's absolutely on the point. I I agree to that as well. But how do brands kind of really capture this trend of personalizing? Is there a way that brands can personalize as well? People personalizing things, posting their life moments is great. Is there a newer brand? Is there like a way for newer brands to kind of capitalize on this trend? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about just the brand in general, as in larger companies, not just a personal brand, then have their employees start coming on. The people within the company start sharing and become part of the brand, the company, so that people know they're connecting with something besides a faceless giant box somewhere with a name on it, basically, is what a company is. But once they get to know the people behind the brand, how those people think, act, and part of the excitement of that, maybe they're working for the companies and stuff so that it brings life to a company that is faceless without those people. Right. So include more of actual people than just a brand voice. That sounds interesting. Yeah. You know, brand voice is good. You have to have your brand voice in there as well. But You also have to, LinkedIn has always been a people platform and we're leaning, the trend has been going over the past few years to get more personal. People want to know the companies they're buying from. They want to know what they stand for. They want to know, they want to know who's there. They don't want to be just connected to some faceless company anymore and they don't have to. And they're making their buying choices and decisions that way. So I think it's important for you them to see the people too. Brand voice must stay in, of course. It absolutely has to stay in. But you also need to understand who's behind it, who's with it. And you'll see more. You already see more clients drifting to companies who are putting more of a personal touch on it. Interesting. And how does this impact the growing debate over 
organic marketing on LinkedIn versus paid marketing on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of the most expensive platforms to do paid marketing on, and bigger companies tend to dominate with seemingly unlimited budget. How do smaller brands win? There's a lot of paid noise in the market. Yeah, well, when you talk about paid and organic, you're talking about two different things. And yeah, big corporations are always going to win with the bigger budgets as far as that goes. But I mean, as far as trends currently still on LinkedIn, ads aren't as popular on LinkedIn as like they are in Facebook and stuff like that. But the biggest thing is, is you have to be consistently on there. If you want to do it organically, which is quite a bit different than paid, obviously, then you have to be showing up consistently. You have to be posting regularly. You have to be putting out the content. You have to be engaging. You just have to be getting yourself out there. And even that's competing with the big corporations on LinkedIn because we're not seeing them as much on there still. We might see their individuals, but in reality... I mean, I've been on LinkedIn since 2018, and the big corporations still don't have a big chunk of LinkedIn yet. Facebook, yes, but not as much on LinkedIn. It's still, right now, it's still much easier for the little guy to make it on there. And because the ad budgets are so much higher on there, it's more efficient for them to go to Facebook and, at this point, do more of their advertising. But we're definitely seeing a rise in ads. So it's changing. It depends on how it's going to fall out. I don't know. Right. What kind of content typically works on LinkedIn? What works right now? Do you see a pattern? Right now, we're seeing a shift from pretty much it was all written content two or three years ago. And even up until a year ago, written content was king. And I would still say it carries a big weight. But right now, the trend is leaning towards video, lives, visuals, more graphics. I can't even be on LinkedIn for 10 minutes and I haven't already seen two to three lives pop up. Uh, notifications with my the people. So definitely that's coming on because people, they like to get on and see it in the moment. But in video as well, they're starting to want to see the faces, hear the voices behind. So if you're, I'd highly recommend adding visual content, probably video to your strategies now at this point, but written content still works well. For written content, is there a particular format? Like I see a lot of long posts these days. They start with like one teaser line. And then when you click on show more, there's like, endless wall of text going on. And I'm like, what's happening? I don't mind the long content. I tend to do it myself as long as it's not full of fluff. That's the big thing. And I do have to say, I do see a trend in more fluff posts lately with people who are trying to get cheap engagement by do you like coffee or tea and stuff like that, which that trend I'm not enjoying on LinkedIn. That's probably a little more your Facebook feel you're talking about. But long form tends to work, but so does short. If you've got a couple sentences or quote that you want to put up that's a real quick tip or something like that, and it works and you can do it in one sentence, do it in one sentence. Don't waste people's time. And that's the big thing is don't waste people's time. And that's what the fluff does. I mean, LinkedIn is still a professional platform. So while I am a fan of the personal content and stuff that's coming on, I do recommend even with my clients, it always has a professional slant. Like it leans back somehow to your business. There's a connection. But just posting fluff, definitely not a fan. (laughs) But we're also seeing, you know, polls are still working well right now. You've got the long post, which I know some people are starting to push back and say they're too long, write an article. But I disagree. People will read them if they're interested. If you've got something to say with it and it takes that long of a post to do it, then do it. It's about what works for you and your brand. Right. You mentioned about polls working. Do they work from bigger companies or do smaller guys polls work as well? Is there a trend that you see there? So for example, if I'm a smaller brand, if I do polls, because I don't have a lot of followers, 
it's obviously going to get a little lesser engagement, right? Is there a way to kind of make that viral? Not necessarily. So actually, okay. people with smaller audiences tend to get higher engagement than large audiences. So if you built deliberately built your audience out of the right people, then your engagement rates are going to be higher than somebody who's connected to anyone and everyone. And it's been proven. I helped do influencer management for several years where I helped connect influencers to large companies to help promote their brands. And we went from micro influencers and it's because they had smaller audiences and they had a higher engagement rate. They also show that people with a smaller audience have more trust than people with big audiences. When people are looking at those numbers, they're like, wow, this is somebody little. They haven't gotten so giant yet. They've lost connection with their people yet. And they build more trust and credibility. So and their engagement rates tend to be quite a bit higher than with a large audience. Now, that said, if you have a million followers versus some guy who's got 500, he's going to have more engagement. But is it valid engagement? Is it valuable? I mean, is it what he needed? Is it from the people he needed? That kind of stuff. So you just, it's not saying the big is wrong, but neither is the small. You can do just as much with a small audience as you can with a big one if you build it focused and deliberate to build your goals. Interesting. So try and be more focused on your audience and have the right audience rather than volume. So it's, it's quality over quantity is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Wonderful. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, Thanks for listening.